right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Got a great episode for you today. Uh, DJ and I got a chance to catch up with Adam Long when he was in town for the players. Adam, of course, won the Desert Classic earlier this year in an enormous upset over Phil Mickelson, Adam Hadwin, and several others. Um, this was, again, done during the Players' Championship, so it's not the most timely episode, but and we, talk, do, we do talk a little bit about the players, but for the most part, we talk about Adam's career and his rise from uh, the lower levels of the professional tours and constant improvement to winning on the PGA tour really is an incredible story. We spent a lot of time on that and then ultimately get into the great story of winning the desert classic and what that's done for him and how it's changed his life and, uh, and all that. So uh, we didn't want to delay this a bit till after the masters and we had a lot of other podcasts in the queue. So uh, apologies for that delay on that. Um, and before we get to Adam, I want to again mentioned from now through May 31st, Callaway is donating $4 for every dozen ERC soft yellow golf balls that are sold. They're donating that to the Children's Miracle Network Hospital. It's a nonprofit organization that raises funds for children's hospitals as part of the industry-wide Play Yellow campaign. So be sure to pick up some ERC soft yellow golf balls with the triple track technology in stores or online at CallawayGolf.com. And please help support this amazing program. So Without any further delay, here is our podcast with Adam Long. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We are joined here. I'm with DJ Pie. We are at TPC, uh, Sawgrass, Marriott, something like that. PGA Tour winner, Adam Long. Welcome. Wow. I can't say enough. This is a huge honor. I'm pretty nervous, though, so we'll see how this goes. Well, let me loosen things up. I'm going to give you a bit of time here. I'm going to read your Wikipedia page in its entirety. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh which is a much more difficult job than it was like six weeks ago because you didn't have one when you won the Desert Classic. But here it goes. Long was born in New Orleans and grew up in St. Louis. He attended Francis Howell High School. He graduated from Duke University with a degree in sociology. He is the son of Gordo and Jane and the brother of Lindsay. That's your Wikipedia page. Well, it's it's well, all factual, right? Pretty, pretty factual, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would what would you add? Anything? You know, <laughs> I have a wife, Emily. It would be the first thing she that, is over here on the oh. right. I didn't want to read all the spouse and residents and all. Oh, that. oh so there's that. extra stuff. Those, that's the actual paragraph, though. Well, it's a good start. It's progress. It's yeah. a good start. Did one of your friends make a Wikipedia page? I was going to say, who does that? Who does that? Isn't that? <laughs> I wild? made it for myself. No, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. To be honest, uh, well, I don't know. I will have to track that person down and thank them, I guess, for getting the ball rolling. Where's the best place to start? Is it to go right in to talk about the Desert Classic? Is there to to start with the the path that led you to that to that point? I mean, yeah, there's obviously a lot that led me to that point. Uh, the Desert Classic's a cool story, and it's started a new one in a way. But um, there's a lot of history there that led me to that point. All right, that, I think that, that's a tip to go for the history. Then, there's well, let's go back. So six or seven years ago, you meet a young man named DJ Pajowski. Who will end up becoming, I would say, among your your biggest champions, uh, in, at least inside No Laying Up. Drafted you on my Fred X Cup team. I was screaming at the telecast. What round would you draft? Uh, who can solid. who can remember? Who can remember those sorts of things? I know um, it wasn't first. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tom Brady getting surpassed by all the guys. All the yeah, guys that exactly. Got surpassed him. Exactly. I knew. Motivating. I knew that he. You know what? I picked Cameron Champ first because you know I thought maybe. Actually, I picked Curtis first. I picked Cameron Champ second <laughs> because I knew that would motivate him to a win. Mm -hmm. I dropped Adam down because I knew that he's a he's a guy who's had a chip on his shoulder for a long time. That was going to motivate him to a win. I would I would maybe flip the question back to you guys and ask how many of your players have won this year. I didn't get to draft. I was well, that's, auto drafted. That's, me. Listen, we don't need to get stuck in the weeds here. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is Adam and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, all of the like. All of the things on the broadcast where, you know, this guy, he's he's coming out of nowhere. You know, this this guy that uh, many fans may not be familiar with him. Like, that's bullshit <laughs> because I've been talking about this for a long time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's start. Let's start. Uh, where should we start? Let's let's start in college. OK, so Duke University. Uh, why did you end up at Duke? And let's let's kind of expand on that Wikipedia paragraph uh, a little bit and, and fill in a few more of the details for us. 
Wow, that's a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell just happened? So we're moving away from the FedEx Cup then. Yeah, we'll do a whole separate podcast on okay. the FedEx Cup. Yeah, it sounded like you had a pretty good theory there. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up in St. Louis and knew I wanted to go somewhere other than the Midwest for golf. So uh, I looked all over in the Southeast and actually settled on, settled on, I picked Florida and was verbally committed to going there. Uh, obviously an awesome golf program, cool, cool school, great campus, good weather. And my parents kind of sat me down one more time, kind of late my, uh, I guess before my junior year in high school and said, you know, before we really commit fu- fully here, let's, maybe we should take another look at Duke. They were, you really liked it. They were really interested in you. It's such an awesome school. Maybe you should go back and, you know, make sure this is what you want. So we went on another kind of a secret trip in a way to, uh, to Duke and met some more guys on the team and got to know the coaches a little bit more of the school, a little bit more and fell in love with it. I was like, this, this place is, it's special. It's different. So, um, I felt like that was where I wanted to go. And, and I was, I was a, really good junior player but I wasn't a superstar by any means and so I didn't I I never really dreamed of of, uh, that I'd be on the PGA Tour I mean it was a a far-fetched dream in a way it wasn't it wasn't a a goal of mine even it was like I just want to play good college golf and see where that goes so uh, anyway ended up going there and it was the best decision I made were you there for any of the JJ Redick years no I missed him by a year on my visits I I went to a game and watched him in Cameron it was pretty ridiculous what, who was uh, on the basketball team while you were there? Any of the who are the biggest names that we would recognize? We did. We were pretty pretty blue collar. My my four years there, like my freshman year, they weren't Plumleys. They weren't there. very good, of course. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It was. I mean, we we were like the sixth seed in the tournament freshman year, which is a, a terrible year for for Duke, obviously. And then by my senior year, though, they were really good and they ended up winning the national championship. But even then, it was guys like John Shire, Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler. Brian Zubek. I mean, it was it wasn't uh, the guys, the one and done guys that we have now. That was the Butler where they played uh, Gordon Hayward, Butler, yeah. right in that yeah. national championship. Oh yeah. Okay, so after what was your career like at Duke? How did you how did you do compared to what you were expecting yourself to do? Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations. I didn't know where I would fit in in the team or belong. I mean, they were uh, before I got there, they were really good. They had Ryan Blom, Nate Smith, and and Jake Krasinski, and they they had some really good teams um, prior to me being there, just right up until I got there and. They were, they were probably before me. They were like a top ten team, top twenty team, and and that's pretty much how we were all my four years as a team. And um, I didn't make, I didn't qualify for the first event my freshman year. Uh, second event was at Olympia Fields in Chicago, and I finished second. And the team won, and I was kind of like, boom, here we go. And I was like, all right, so I, I I can play here. I belong. I can play on this team. I can compete in college golf with with the best. And it was a stacked field and. So that gave me the confidence that I could I could play college golf at the highest level. So, um, but I I had a pretty good career. It wasn't um, amazing by any means. I, I won one tournament my senior year and all ACC a couple times, but um, nothing too crazy. So you leave Duke, uh, and what what's the next step from there? Yeah, I was kind of it's it, that's the hardest thing is you you turn pro and you're like, wait, I have to figure <laughs> this all out on my own. <laughs> and college golf or even junior golf, you have somebody there, either a coach or your parents, or you know, helping you all along the way of scheduling and booking hotel rooms and everything, entry fees, like. And now I was on my own, so I kind of had to figure it out. I had some older guys that have been out a year or two before me that I hung out with, but they helped me out. But for the most part, I was on my own. But I was playing the e golf tour, Hooters tour, some Monday qualifiers, getting ready for Q school. How does uh, like the details of the of the mini tours? How does that work? Do you just send in like an application and say, "All right, here's my resume. I'm playing in this." Do you need a resume of any kind? Do you pay an entry fee? How do the mini tours work for people that don't know? They're all a little different. I don't know. I didn't play a whole bunch of them. I pretty much stuck to the e golf tour and the Hooters tour. Um, there were some incentives to doing well on those tours. So if you the more you play in, the more money you can make, and you finish on those money lists. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, if you had a, a decent college career, you played D one golf or had some sort of resume that they could kind of eyeball they would let you in but yeah you pay in those days i mean you were paying up to 1500 bucks to get in and uh have at it (laughs) it's like gambling almost just like (laughs) organized gambling yeah it is organized gambling. you put in your thousand bucks to 1500 somewhere in there and there were anywhere from you know 150 to uh, in the e-golf they were killing it then they had like 300 players two courses and uh, all around North Carolina, South Carolina area. And it was, that was some of the most fun days, though. At, w- at what point did there stop being entry fees, by the way? Uh, the like, well, PJ Tour, Canada, 
Latin America. I thought you were going to say PGA Tour. I was like, all right, this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, PGA Tour, Canada, Latin America, they, they have some, um, you know, when I played, it was like, I want to say it was around 150 bucks, 200 bucks to play per week. And, but the web.com doesn't. Which just kind of seems like a twist of the knife when you're on like PJ Tour Canada and you're driving all these all this way. It's like, oh yeah. Also, it's gonna be just a, it's 150 bucks. Yeah, just, exactly. Just, just a, little a little bit something. Yeah, there. It's, I know you're yeah. already razor thin margins. It's gonna be 150 bucks to play the tournament. How well do you have to play on the mini tours to like break even? Uh, or is yeah. it possible? Yeah, no, it's it's possible. <laughs> I mean, if you if you can just it, it's if you can win one or finish a couple top tens or and make up for your missed cuts you know, the weeks prior and all that. I mean, you can make some decent money and it's, it's changed a lot now. Cause when I first got started, there was no Latin America or Canada tour. So I was playing the e-golf tour and Hooters tour and they were, they were po- pretty popular. It's hard to get in. I mean, I played a Monday qualifier for a Hooters tour event and now it's, <laughs> it, there's, they're having a tough time getting more than 50 guys to play some of those events. So it's a total, it's changed a lot in the last five, 10 years. What kind of golf stands out on those tours and it, and how is that different from the PJ tour or different from the web tour or anything like that? Just as far as like people's games and, and what strengths get rewarded and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'd say in the mini tours, especially then the Eagle Off Tour, Hooters Tour, there was a lot of really good players. There's some studs that had either lost status on the web or, you know, were about to become, you know, PJ Tour members in the next year or two. And so it was it was all across the board, but it, they weren't very deep. Did you ever have to run into Ted Potter on the Hooters Tour? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, he's he was like a superstar. The, I mean, he's yeah. like the, the Babe Ruth of, of the Hooters <laughs> Tour, right? Yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. If he was playing, you, you're just trying to finish second or third. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to me. I don't know why it is. Maybe it shouldn't be, but the links that guys will go to to get into tournaments. I mean, it's kind. Of, it is all you have, but guys will fly across, you know, fly to different countries to play Monday qualifiers just to get in a tournament where you're not guaranteed any money. I mean, how were you? I guess at any point were you overwhelmed with how competitive like the lower stages of professional golf are? Yeah, I mean, it, especially it was, it was very top heavy, right? So when you talk about breaking even, I mean, you got to be finishing in the top 10. Well, there's more than 10 really good players. Sure. The, the bottom 20, 30, a lot of them are, you know, they're part-time job guys that are trying to play and, you know, they weren't, didn't have a college career really. And, you know, they're just trying to play an event here and there, but at, at the top, they're really good. So, um, yeah, it's tough. How old are you? 31. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Weird, so weird flex. Oh, I'm just you know. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, you're not on the team, man. So we're we're talking about kind of seven eight years here between college and and uh, where you are now. So beyond the Hooters tour, you you obviously played the Web tour for a few years and stuff. But what were the points that you know? What were kind of the high points of that seven eight years? What were the low points of that seven eight years? And and how did that journey work out for you? Yeah, I, I uh, 2011 was an interesting year. So I graduated 2010. 2011, I had no status on any tour, but I uh, actually missed five straight cuts on the e-golf tour. Feeling pretty bad about myself. <laughs> pretty bad about my golf game. I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I was clueless. I was literally clueless with, with everything in my game. It was really bad. Well, I traveled to Columbus, Ohio and qualified for the U.S. Open. Had an amazing 36 holes. And I was, I mean, thrown into the fire of the U.S. Open the next week at, at, uh, at Congressional. And that's not, I mean, I, I missed the cut by, I don't know, five or six probably, but that was a pretty awesome experience. And I was like, all right, I'm good enough to get here. You know, it gave me some momentum and enough so that I, I went through Q school that fall and got conditional status on the web. And so in 2012, I was playing the web and, and yeah, I played 17 events and didn't keep my card. But again, there was some like, I can play here. I just didn't have good status. And I don't know, it was my first year out and then went back to like the mini tours and then for a year and then got played latin america canada for a year the, the both tours in the same year which is crazy travel but i did it and then qualified again for the web.com tour and played out there the next four straight years so the last four years i've been on the web.com tour and i've been uh, most of those years i was pretty close to to uh, getting a tour card i was keeping my card out there and so there was some some positive momentum there is it full bore are you totally committed to this and was there ever a doubt like uh, professional golf might not be for me. And like when you get to the third or fourth year of kind of bouncing around, does, do those doubts creep in at any moment? For me, they didn't. I mean, it's been a pretty steady progression. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of did it the the classic way in a, in a sense, because I played a couple years of mini tours, four years on the web.com tour, five total, but 
four years on the web.com tour and everything was kind of trending and I was, yeah. yeah, And I, I pretty much figured like, as long as I felt my game was getting better each year and I felt I was getting closer and closer and getting better and I wasn't going backwards, uh, I was going to keep playing. How did you stake your uh, mini tour career? I'm, I'm always fascinated at how guys, you know, whether it's sponsors or parents or jobs or, you know, it, I know there's a lot of different ways to do it. I guess, how did you do it? And, and how are kind of some of the other ways you've seen guys do that? Yeah, I had some help from from back home, um, for sure, that, that I couldn't have done it without uh, their help. But yeah, guys ha- have all kinds of crazy deals. I had some buddies that would have 20, 30 uh, stakeholders that had shares of their company that would, um, you know, buy anywhere from $2,000 shares to $5,000 shares uh, on up. And, uh, you know, it was like a one year deal and that was their money. Then they would get paid back. They had all different payback structures and it can get pretty, pretty confusing pretty quickly. So, um, and, and some people just have rich families that just, right. you know, right out of the gate, they're fine. So, uh, it's, it's, it is hard. It's really expensive. Have you seen any guys get in some really broad deals? I had heard of some, but not, I don't know anybody personally that, uh, any, any really bad deals, but I, I know it's, it, there's some out there. Well, cause like you said, when you get out of college, like you're on your own, like it's all up to you to figure out so much of this stuff. And I'm sure when somebody throws a bunch of money at you, it's probably like very, very appealing, but it's, I don't remember where we heard the stories recently of. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, I think one thing that's cool about your career is you kind of alluded to it, but you know, always even if they're small steps, like always moving forward rather than you see so many guys that get on the other side of that where, you know, they hit their high watermark and then all of a sudden they start backpedaling and they're back on the mini tours and they're back doing this. And it's almost like they're clinging to these kind of last chance opportunities. And there's almost kind of loan shark type vibes of these guys who are like, I'll stake you, I'll pay all your expenses, but I get 30% 30% of your money for the rest of your life kind of thing. And like, I, that's a made up example, but I mean, there's, there's a bunch of weird stuff like that. And I don't know, d- digging in, into the mini tours is, uh, it's, think, it's on our to-do list. Well, it's hard. Think? It's what the young hitters program is now. We're <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard because we're trying to keep those guys off the streets. <laughs> yeah. I, I hung out with one tonight. He's, uh, he's doing great. Who's that? Uh, Justin Huber. Oh, one of our favorite young hitters. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Of one of your favorite ones. One, one of our five favorite ones. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So throughout your, your years on the web tour, um, where is your game improving? Where are you progressing and how, how do you know that you are improving other than just kind of better finishes? How do you know physically that you're improving? Yeah, it's kind of twofold. One, just the more years out there, the more comfortable you are, uh, with the golf courses, with the travel, all of it, caddies, everything you can get, a, a, you can get pretty comfortable on any tour the more years you're out there. So that was a big part of it, I think. I mean, being out there, last year was my fifth year. So I, some of those courses I'd seen so much that the hard holes didn't seem that hard anymore. The hard courses didn't seem that tough. But uh, I started working with Josh Gregory about two and a half years ago. And uh, he really kind of revamped my short game wedges and putting. And that helped my scoring big time. I was I was pretty average at all those. Uh, and then he, he really kind of changed my the way I go about it and, and the way I practice it. And it's, it's gotten a lot better. If, if you get in the weeds on that, what, what needed to change or what, uh, it's a pretty hardcore golf audience that listens to this. I, I'm curious, like the technical stuff that you're, that you're working on changing. Uh, that's, that's personal. I can't, that's private. It's a proprietary system. <laughs> no, I mean, for the most part, like, like even the, just basic chips, I was, I was always and and bunker shots. I, I was always cutting across it very a lot. So I was relying a lot on spin for my short game shots around mm-hmm. the greens. And he taught me that, yes, that you can hit shots that way. And there are times when you have to and different lies and all that. But for a straightforward chip, he really got me to feel a draw more. And so I feel like now I've, for the most part, my standard chips have a little draw feel to it. That's probably the biggest change we made. How would you sum up uh, Josh? He, he seems like an interesting guy that works with a lot of interesting people. <laughs> yeah. He's got a, he's got a funny stable, I guess there's some, some funny guys, but uh I knew him from college as a college coach, and uh, when he started teaching, I, I was one of the first guys I went to, and I kind of learned about what he he thought about the game and his theories and, and all of his focus, and went out to Dallas and spent two days with him, and I loved it. I mean, I, I loved being around him, first of all. I mean, he's a really fun guy. He's very positive. He's hilarious. We have similar uh, personalities and interests, and, and so that that helps, but... Um, I mean, he's, he's super into short game putting, scoring, and he's really good at preparing guys for events. So um, I think that he's out on the PJ Tour every single week, some days just for, or some weeks just for a few days, but a lot of weeks he's here through Friday or Sunday. And uh, he's really good at preparing you for to play and to compete. 
Were you working with a coach when you're on the mini tours and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've had a coach in St. Louis, Brian Fote, who's mm-hmm. out of Belle Reve, and I've used him since I was nine years old, mostly full swing stuff, but I still keep in touch with him. He's a great friend. So in your in your four consecutive web.com seasons, which before you, you earned your card in the 2018 season, but were any seasons there before that? Did you feel like you were on the verge? Did you have close calls for getting your PGA Tour card? Yeah, so I mean, there was a few years there which was different than last year. The, the biggest difference in last year was a lot of time, I kind of hit it like a little plateau in the summer. I typically got off to mediocre starts, played really well in the spring and was up there in the top 25 at some point and fell off towards the end, whether it was missing cuts or just not finishing high enough to just finish it off. And then I'd go to the finals and have a pretty good finals or have at least one or two good events. The first year at finals, I made all the cuts, but didn't finish high enough to to finish in the top 25. So there's always like almost, almost, almost. So last year, that was the biggest difference was I was able to finish it off and, and kept, and kept the pedal down. What, uh, I loved after the desert classic, someone, I think it was maybe Sean Martin, uh, friend of the pod. Shout out. Uh, I think he was asking about your last professional win, which was Hooters tour. I yeah. I mean, it depends on what you, I mean, I'd won like, so, you know, the U S open qualifiers. I had won some mini tour, like sure. some one day stuff, but like the, 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 the last, multi-day win was was yeah the 2011 hooters tour event what can you tell us about that event it was the wood creek open yeah yeah that was i i monday qualified for it (laughs) (laughs) did you really yeah where's wood creek in south carolina okay well, talk, take us there. T- tell us about the about the tournament. What, what was different? That I'm well, sure people have heard enough about the 20. They, they've seen the highlights so many yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, that's just a classic. I think it's on ESPN Classic pretty often. But uh, yeah, I was playing pri- primarily on the e-golf tour that year. And so I wasn't like a full member of the Hooters tour. So if you're not a member, you're like an alternate. You can sign up to be an alternate. Well, I was. it was a full field, so they only had certain spots for... Uh, qualifier. So I had to go to the Monday qualifier and it was at the other course at Wood Creek. That's like across the street. And it was like the worst day ever. Like Eric Axley was out there. I'm like what, what's going on? I'm like, this is, this is tough. I'm trying to get into a Hooters tour. Shout out to the stack and tilt. <laughs> and so he, I don't know if that's a shout out or not. <laughs> so we, anyway, I, I got in, I mean, it was terrible weather. I, I, I Mondayed in and played a practice on Tuesday or something. And but uh, yeah, I found myself playing really well and ended up in a playoff with Stuart Anderson, Canadian great. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I chipped in actually on the first playoff hole on, on 18 there to <laughs> uh, to win. And it was like $28,000. And I mean, I've never been happier. <laughs> I don't know how easy this is to answer, but like, what do you think kept you from winning more on, you know, whether it was Hooters Tour, E-Golf, Web Tour, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and interesting to kind of see. And we kind of saw it with Keith Mitchell too, like played on the web tour for a while, never actually won. And then just breaks through in this huge moment at Honda. Uh, what do you think kept you from winning more? And, and, you know, then obviously we'll get into what changed it in Palm Springs. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, part, part of it's physical in the game. I mean, I, I needed to, to change some things in my game to, to get better and to score better and to be in the mix more often and be more consistent. But, um, I've also done some work with Bob Rotella and on the mental side of stuff. And it's, it's really helped me, um, both on the course while I'm out there, um, handling bad breaks or bad shots and, and all the bad and handling the good as well. And then and then also just uh, the mental side of like of, of where you feel yourself in the game of golf in the greater scheme of things and in, in, in life in general. And uh, so that, that both of those have, have really helped. That's some big topics. I yeah. think we should let's dive into yeah, that. Next. Let's dive else, into that a little bit got? more. Keep going. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. Like I, I think Bob Rotella is another one. You you hear that name all the time, and I really I couldn't tell you like anything about it. I so think what, of like hypnotism when I think of Bob Rotella. <laughs> yeah, that's so, about it. I know that's that's probably a lot more that something that is actually probably a little proprietary. But give us a little taste of what like what is that that you guys work on and what? Yeah, dive into that a little bit more. Oh, I went as probably four or five years ago, but we I went and. Stayed at his house and, and did what he does with all of his first time guys and, and you spend like two days there and he hypnotized you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the rest is a blur. It was like get out. <laughs> no, but it, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of both like having that belief that you are a great player and you can compete and you you know the, the sky's the limit and, and believing that in yourself. Um, but then there's also the like I was saying the on course mental side of the game of the game, which is so crucial. Um, you have to be able to to bounce back from bad breaks and and to go into rounds with with as much confidence as you can. Was that hard to do? Like, was it hard to convince yourself of that at that time? Or I don't know. I'm picturing myself going through that and 
telling myself those things, I'd be like, no, well, I don't believe myself. Like I, I know I'm <laughs> lying to myself. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we all as golfers, I mean, we have that, like have that sense of confidence, but it's a matter of, of embracing that and owning it. So I want to know, going back to your web season last year, you, you finished the season in a, in a fury kind of, you made five straight cuts, you get your card at port at Portland. What was that relief like? What was that celebration like? And what's that ceremony like? It was unreal. So I actually got my card at Stonebray was where it like was official. I finished fourth and that was enough to, to guarantee me no matter what happened in Portland the next week. So taste it, Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he shot 71 that first day, I was like, man, this is, this guy beat Did you me. beat him? I believe, that, yeah, I did okay. actually. <laughs> I believe uh, our young, our previously mentioned young hitter, uh, Justin Hubert, was sweating whether or not he was going to beat Steph that day. I remember him yeah. sending some pretty panic text messages. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I actually got my like enough money, I guess to, to finish in the top twenty-five, that was when it was like this is this is happening. Like it's real. I did it, and it's such a it is a relief. That was the biggest sense of uh, the feeling that I had was was relief. Like. Finally, I did it. my fifth year. Like I've been close, and I knew I could do it, but I finally did it, and uh, so that was awesome. And then, but I didn't really like celebrate or anything. I had a like nine p.m. flight to Portland that I still took, and and sat with Josh Teeter, who had just gotten his card as well. So we had a nice flight up to Portland, and uh, finally got to the hotel at like midnight or something, and uh, took the next day off in Portland. But that was like the the moment I'd say. But then the ceremony is pretty cool too. I'd seen it on TV, but it was pretty cool to actually get your your bronze card in your hand and you're you know it's engraved and you're you know you're on on the 18th green there in portland and with all like the class you throw the hat up in the air the picture the whole thing is it's pretty cool do you have to show that card that bronze card a lot uh would like when you when you check into tournaments and stuff <laughs> no but i don't want to lose it okay and so what would you say your approach was to the web finals? Because I believe uh, after Max got his card, he said he was playing uh, ceremoniously <laughs> through the end of the finals. Well, <laughs> what were your results of the web finals? Yeah, he kind of screwed me, by the way, too, because we talked in, uh, I guess it was in Jacksonville, Atlantic Beach there, that he was like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll get into everything in the fall. You'll get into everything in the fall. It didn't happen. But well, that's another story. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tough because you, you, you hear that you need to play for a position. I finished 13th on the regular season, and I'm thinking that's fine no matter what happens in the finals, but you still want to. I mean, there's opportunity to make more money. There's also opportunity to finish higher up on the on the rankings, so you get uh, better starts in the fall. And you would have to finish better than 13th in the finals to bump up, correct? Or it's just a continuation right. of yeah. So okay. you just have to protect your spot or whatever. So yeah, I missed all four cuts in the in the finals, and I think two of them by one. And it was it was kind of frustrating. But at the end of the day, I was like, I'm so excited about the future that I don't really care that much. And turns out, uh, it it got me two less starts in the fall. So I only played three events in the fall instead of five. I was first alternate for one and second alternate for another. Did Max get in any of those events because of you falling out? Maybe he was up to something. Yeah, I think, he, I think he might have. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he was ahead of me. I love, uh, you know, so you come in and you've made the PJ Tour. You get to Safeway, first round, 66, top of the leaderboard for a while. Uh, what was that round like? And then what were kind of the ensuing three or four tournaments like yeah that was that was fun i mean yeah you don't really know how you're gonna feel or, or anything i was just super excited i had nothing to lose i really wanted to get off to a good start and unfortunately i did and didn't play great on the weekend but i it was kind of like welcome to the tour because i <laughs> yeah i was up there at a top five or something on on thursday and then took a drug test friday night that took like <laughs> three hours because i was too diluted for so i, I literally <laughs> it was it was brutal and what happened I don't know. I was over. I drank too much water. I have no idea. It was bizarre. Anyway, so I was there until like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night on Friday night. flush all the stuff out of your This system. is your first, your first day on the PJ Tour? Second day, yeah. Second day. I was like, geez, these guys are tough. <laughs> no, so, so then I played like okay on the weekend. It's blowing really hard, and the, but I dropped all the way down. I finished like 60th. And I was just thinking like, wow, like that happened fast. You go from like having a crazy high finish to beating like five guys. And it was, uh, was kind of like, and you, you know, you in that category, you need to do really well to get points to reshuffle for the next start of the season in January. So it was, it was pretty disappointing. And then, uh, yeah, I missed the next two cuts. So, I mean, obviously you're playing like in your first PGA Tour event that wasn't the U.S. Open. And 
it's probably not the first thing that comes to mind, but what does it come? You're literally playing for 10 X a purse of 10 times the size of a purse that you've ever played for. Is that the first thing you think of when you go to tee it up? Is it like the fifth thing? Is that on your mind at all? I mean, a 10th place finish gets you a hundred grand. And they, is, is that something people think about in their, in the, in the early stages of their PGA tour career? I didn't, but I was, I was just happy that I was going to have, I knew I was going to have a lot of chances. Yeah. So I think what makes it hard when you call it like Monday qualify for one event, like this is it, like this yeah. is, you have to do well this week. But when you have at least status and you know, you're going to have, you know, some 15, 20 starts at some point in the year that it gives you a little bit of relaxation that you don't have to do well right now. But, um, I've been fortunate over the whole career, even on mini tours that I, it really hasn't thought crossed my mind on 18, like how much putts are worth. And I mean, it, it's, it can be a lot sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, last week was a perfect example, but I don't, I really don't think about that when I'm on the course when I, and I know some people do, and it's, I don't, I don't know why I don't, but, um, I definitely am aware of it afterwards, but, uh, luckily, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think about that out there at all. What from a, from a nitty gritty specific perspective, what actually changes that first week on the PJ tour from the web tour, whether it's cars, hotels, like, I, I mean, you guys don't have kids, but daycare, you know, that, like that kind of stuff. What, what can you remember really being like, Oh God, this is, this is pretty cool out here. The courtesy car thing is pretty sweet <laughs> because you, you just, you, you get the baggage claim and that's probably the worst part of traveling as a pro golfer is I've always said like from the moment you get your bags at baggage claim to actually getting into your, into your uh, rental car can be sometimes so, horrible of an experience like a shuttle to the rental car center you wait in line and then the car like the is too small or something it doesn't fit your stuff or i don't know it can just be a disaster and you're you're carrying two or three 50 pound bags sometimes and it's, it can just be terrible so on the pj tour you get up to your baggage claim you get your bags and there's always stand right there and there's either people that take your bags or either way your car is right on the curb in, in one form or fashion and so they basically you sign a form they hand you your keys and you're gone. So that's a pretty nice luxury. That's why I remember uh, I was doing a podcast with Zach Blair when he was at the web finals in Columbus in the fall of 17. And he was just going to his hotel and he's like, dude, I got to get back to PGA tour, man. <laughs> I, I got a rental car this week. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. They're all like brand new, nice cars. Yeah. I mean, the one this week has eight, had like eight miles on it when I got it. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. But the, the second thing I'd say DJ would be the food. Yeah. The food is ridiculous out here. There's you, you, you can't find a bad meal. And so you walk out, you're going out for practice rounds. Is there anyone, you know, it's not the, the biggest field tiger's not there, but is there anyone you're looking around like kind of starstruck at or, or kind of realizing like, Oh my God, like I'm actually here. Does that practice round like feel different? Uh, a little bit. I mean, well, being on the web for five years also, you know, built the relationship with a lot of these guys that sure. a lot of the 25 that moved on each year that are still out here that, that was probably the most refreshing thing was like that first few days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that was like, wow, I know a lot of guys out here that that really helps versus being maybe like 21 or two and walking out here and not knowing anybody. And I saw a lot of familiar faces either from junior golf, college golf or whatever. But yeah, seeing some of the the mega stars like like Phil was out there. And, and then uh, a funny story was like on Wednesday, I'm hitting some practice putts and, and uh, hitting some lag putts and uh just rip one that's going like 50 feet you know and i hit one pretty hard and right then like the ball i'd already hit the ball but right then freddie couples steps in to start doing like a putting thing and i'm like i see this happening in slow motion it just it drills the side of his foot like pretty hard like he was only like i'm trying to hit like a 50 footer and he's like eight feet in front of 20, 10 feet in front of me or whatever and he, i was like oh my god this is so embarrassing sorry sir you know like i'm I'm new here. Sorry about that. He blows out his back. I was yeah, going to say, is. you're just waiting for him to step on it like a banana peel. Just blow out his back. Uh, he, he never he, can play golf again. He laughed and he was cool about it. But um, yeah, seeing some of those guys for the first time is, you know, in the tournament. I've seen them outside of like tournament golf, but like seeing them in the tournament, you're in the field and it, it was pretty cool. You and Phil have had a rivalry for a long time. Is that where that started that week? Yeah, it's pretty fierce. Yeah. Yeah. I know that people like to build up. The, he got the you that and, week. You yeah. Got him people build up him and Tiger, but yeah, the yeah. truth is it's Phil and Adam. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I do want to get to this very shortly. We're, we're taking a long time to get to it, but, uh, a lot of people probably don't fully understand the pressure that you guys are under as soon as you get out there in that fall and how you have the short period of time you have. Cause you're talking about the priority you wanted, you know, for the fall 
but they reshuffle again after RSM. So you you go out after after Safeway and you miss three straight cuts. Where do you fall in the priority after that? Oh man, I was I think I was ahead of like two people. Brutal. I mean, yeah. there's there's 50s, right? So 25 yeah. from the regular season, 25 yeah. from the finals, and I was like 47 or something. I mean, it was pretty bad. And then, but you're able to get in Sony, but you miss a cut there. And then we roll up to the Desert Classic. <laughs> what is different in this week? Because by my count, your previous starts were three missed cuts, a T63, and four missed cuts at the end of the web season. Oh, you got to love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, at Sony, he, I was. He was due. I was, yeah. <laughs> even, at, even at Sony, I wasn't in the field. I mean, we t- kind of took a chance by going out there and I was going to do the Monday qualifier and I got in the field late. I was on my third hole on the Monday, and they they said you're in the field. So, uh, yeah, I got in, ended up missing the cut by two. But I felt like my game was okay. Like it wasn't terrible. I was pretty close. I was. Yeah, trying- you're not putting up high scores. No. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was pretty close. And then uh, got to the desert, and I don't know. Everything kind of started falling into place. Like Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, I was hitting it really well. I worked a little bit with Josh and and playing some practice rounds with. I uh, played with Derek Fathauer and and Josh Teeter and. We were all, we were, I included, we were all making a ton of birdies, but I, I made like 10 birdies or something on Tuesday and like six on Wednesday. I, I was just feeling really, I knew you had to make a lot of birdies out there and that's what I've been doing. And um, I don't know though, exactly. Everything mechanically was feeling really good though. Do you think, I mean, the the Desert Classic is famous for being such a birdie fest and, the, and as is the web.com tour. Do you think that that style of, you know, learning to need to go low on the web tour really helped you in an event like this? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that whole web tour going low thing's a little overblown. I think I, I still think if you've shot like two yeah, who under, says that? Forget. <laughs> I feel like if you shoot two under every round, you're gonna get your tour card on the web.com tour. Believe it or not, you're gonna miss a boatload of cuts. You're gonna miss like 15 cuts, but you're also gonna like win maybe once or twice in a few top five. I mean, you're, it, it's a little, but yes, okay. um, I did learn to go low out there on that tour and be comfortable being like five, six, seven under par because it's a little uncomfortable like for a lot of guys to be that. Do you looking at one? <laughs> to be, I'm to, terrified. <laughs> to have that as your norm to be four, five, six under is it, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to because my college golf experience was not like that. If you shot 72 every round, you're an All-American, you're best player on your team. So it, it takes a little bit. Of, it took me a little bit of time to get comfortable with that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that experience helped. So you're going into uh, the Desert Classic. Your game feels good. Open with a 63. You shoot 71 the second round, 63 round three, and you're paired with Phil Mickelson in the final group. What do you think, like, I don't know the answer to this, but what do you think your odds were to win the tournament going into that day? Like, uh, in your own mind, what, are you oh, really, what was I yeah, thinking? like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like, do you think I have a true chance to win this? Or are you thinking, I want a top five? Mm-hmm. Like, how? what are you thinking going into that round? I, I didn't think about winning, that's for really? sure. No, it didn't, didn't cross my mind. I mean, I would... I mean, Phil had a three-shot lead. He's won 100 tournaments. Like, he's going to win this thing. And then I'm like eighth or something alternate for Farmers the next week at Torrey Pines. <laughs> I need to finish top 10 to get into the tournament the next week. That's, I was like, I just need to play okay. You know, finish top 10. Let's not embarrass myself out there. And then, uh, But honestly, I just went into it like, um, don't have any regrets. Really have fun with it. Enjoy it. You never know if you're ever going to be in the final group on the PJ Tour again. And I was a rookie. I am a rookie, and I'm playing with one, a legend of the game. Like, just enjoy it, have fun, and uh, don't get caught up in all the the moment of all of it. And just take it literally one shot at a time. But literally, just like chill out out there and just be present. What What did you do the night before? Did you get Was your phone blowing up? And was you know. uh, we had I had some funny texts with some friends about you know playing with Phil and all that. But I, uh, people for the most part left me alone. So what I think, you know, we're watching it, we're screaming at the TV, but I think it probably didn't register for a lot of people that you had a chance to really win the tournament until you get to 18. And it wasn't before you hit your approach shot. You get to that where you hit that tee shot. First of all, there's water left. Are you bailing right intentionally on this tee shot? What, what's your mindset when you're standing on well, the Well, let's not skip tee? 17, which is okay. an island green. Correct. And I get I excited. Say, we Come skipped on. the chip-ins. We, <laughs> skipped, we skipped a lot. I get here. excited. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't over until at least I hit the green on 17 where I was like, okay, we're, we're good. This is, this was a successful day now at this point. And, uh, I could still make nine on the last ball and finish in the top 10. Exactly. But my goal is still intact here. So, uh, yeah, I just floated an eight iron in there in the middle of the green, but, um, yeah, 18, definitely like, yeah, I, I favored the right side for sure. Um, you got the world right and you just have nothing left. But are you thinking about winning as you're playing 18? No, 
Still not. Still not thinking about winning. Um, what was the situation? Were you tied? You're, you're tied. We were all three tied. tied. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Me, Hadwin, and Phil were right. all tied. And I just like I hit one up the right side, and you know I'm like that's perfect. <laughs> I know it's not in the fairway, but it's not in the water, and it's not in the grandstands, and so we're good. And got up there. It's on the downslope of the hill. Like not ideal. I mean, it could if it would have just gone another two or three feet flat lie, we're good. No, it's like on the downhill. It's going to be a really awkward lie. Side hill, downhill, ball way below my feet, and uh, which is hard to see on TV. It's it's hard to it TV flattens everything, right? So like, exp- how just how far below your feet was it, or you know, yeah, one I, to ten difficulty? What what was it? I mean, the, the stance and the lie was probably like a like a five or six mm-hmm. difficulty, but then like. The, the pressure of the moment adds <laughs> yeah. a little bit, of course. And then also the water left. Five and a half. Yeah. yeah. The water left adds to it. And then if you can bail way right, but that's going to be a tough up yeah. and down from way right. And at that point, I was I, I was I was swinging good. I hadn't really missed a shot in a while. I'm like, I, I, I can do this. Like, I, I got this. And uh, just smoked a seven iron, pulled it a little bit. <laughs> but I looked up and it was going right at the flag. And uh, it flew a little farther than I could even hope it did and ended up being like 13 feet. But I'm still thinking... I'm still looking at Phil and Adam in the Hadway or Adam in the fairway. And I look and I'm like, Phil's going to probably like hold this or <laughs> maybe put it to a foot. One of the two. And Adam Hadwin's a machine and he's going to put it to worst case. He's like 10 feet and not, neither of those happen. I mean, Phil left it 30, 40 feet short. Yeah. Hadwin hits it over the green and I'm like, wait a second. Okay. So this actually, I remember actually asking my caddy, I was like, we're tied, right? Like, <laughs> It's actually like I got this right in my head, right? And uh, yeah, let it let it play out. Well, did you did you what kind of a pep talk do you give yourself before that shot? I mean, do, are you really nervous getting ready to hit it? Because you hit it, it seems like you were so committed to the shot, and you, you're, the swing you made was obviously very committed. So, is that something you have to trick your brain into? Is that Rotella coming out? Like, what what do you do before a shot like that? A little bit. I mean, I I hadn't had a whole lot of shots like that before. Certainly, in that, not in that. Do you moment, draw back but. on the Wood Creek Classic? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember. It's too long ago. But I I just knew I didn't want to like overthink it. I knew I didn't want to like just just overanalyze the number, the wind, or what it, any of any of it. I knew I just kind of needed to like get up to it and and hit it and just be confident in what I was doing. So I, I kind of hurried through it a little bit and uh, and just let it go. And I I, sw- I was a full swing, so I was able to go at it pretty hard, which helped. And uh, kind of fell down the hill a little bit, lost my balance, and walked after it, which actually was more of a f- losing my balance than a confident <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's going in the hole. Be well, the right club today. When I saw you like <laughs> stepping through it or f- kind of falling off to the side, I was like, that did justice for how far below yeah. your feet it really was and how you had to really go after it. Uh, so you get up to the putt. Uh, was it Phil or Hadwin that putted before you that had just missed it? Was I think it was Phil, correct? For, for much further away. Did you learn a lot from his putt? Not really because he was on a, a somewhat, somewhat similar line, but way further. But our shadows were so long at that point. It was so late in the day that I had to go miles out of the way. I was on the other side of the green to get my shadow out of his way at all. And so he putted. By the time I got up there, I was like, I caught the very end of it, but not a whole lot. A really good quote afterwards where you were saying like, yeah, it's just kind of one of those like sense of calm and you just feel like it's like, you know, it's going to go in. Is that true was that in the moment what what was your thinking over the part? yeah i didn't want that to come off as like like a cocky <laughs> no no no, like, no. it got, came off great it was yeah. just awesome. beat phil you could be as cocky <laughs> as you want yeah no it was more it was like i think i i said like as as all golfers i think have felt at some point either if they're by themselves or in a tournament or whatever but like you get over certain putts and you're like i got this like i'm gonna make this you see the line you see it going in the right pace and you, you just you literally feel it and it was one of those putts that i was like I've been putting well all week. I got this. I got the read. I got the speed. I know. I know. Everything. Like I got it. And um, I mean, maybe I just kind of tricked myself into thinking that. But at the same time, like I was really confident about it. What was uh, we should have asked this a few minutes ago? But what was the interaction with Phil on the first tee like? Uh, I assume that's the first time you met him, actually. And then what was he like afterwards? I mean, did you guys talk at all or no? Yeah, he was. He was great. I met him in the scoring tent and. You know, he just said, you know, let's have let's have some fun today. <laughs> and that was kind of it. But let's go party. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. He's like, yeah, squeezing my hand, crushing it. No, no but he uh you know, we, we he's a lot bigger than people realize. He's big dude. He's a yeah. unit. He's a big dude, yeah. And we got out there, but he was pretty talkative on the course, I'd say. And and I had known Hadwin from before, so we 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 talked a little bit and Hadwin and 
Phil knew each other. And so I mean, we, we talked a little bit. There was a few weights a few times that we would, he'd, Phil told some stories. And I mean, he was pretty, he was cool. And then the back nine got a little more quiet. And uh, But even walking off 16, I remember we teed off because the NFL football was going on. So right. he was super into that. And we all were. But <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> he was wondering about the betting. Line. I was going to say, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. too easy. You said it, not me. <laughs> and so uh, the, the security, like the cop that was walking with, I'd say us, but really him, he was keep, keeping us updated on the on the scores of the football. And so it was it was a pretty fun day because, I mean, we we're all pretty into the football, too. And um, but the last two holes, we didn't say much. So you make the putt and I, I love what uh, after everyone finishes out, you know, uh, Emily runs out on the green and whatnot. And the camera just catches you, and you you like say it out loud. Kind of what we're all thinking was, "Holy crap!" Like, is this is it? Because I feel like it almost didn't really register for you until a few seconds after you made the putt that you just won the tournament. Yeah, totally. I literally, I'm, I promise you, I was not thinking about winning until I mean, once it was my turn, and I knew like that was the putt to win. It, I, I let myself go there for a second, but that was it. And and then it went in, and I was just—I I don't know what I felt. That was just—it was a bizarre feeling. It was—it was an out-of-body experience. It really was. Is it? I mean, life-changing is the first thing that the broadcast will say after somebody wins a tournament like this. Is it truly life-changing? It's been—I I, people have said that. And I just don't feel that. I think it's—it's it's definitely career-changing. It's changed a lot of of my golf life and my tournaments and all that stuff. But you got into Tory Pines, which yeah, is cool. very cool. <laughs> I got into the Farmers, which is pretty sweet. But uh, in every tournament for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Years. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. Like, it's changed that. But yeah. like the, the stuff that Emily and I are, you know, what we do at home and like it's all been the same. We haven't made any extravagant purchases yet. I mean, we might soon, but We're still getting hit with taxes. We, pretty we hard on that. <laughs> California is not the best state to win in. But um, but it, winning an event at that time of year is about the best time you can win one because of how long your exemption lasts, because you get two full seasons after this one. Correct. Right. So yeah. the rest of 2019. Yeah season and then all of the next two seasons which just frees you up to just play you know great golf in your next five tournaments right uh <laughs> pretty mediocre golf. well before we get to that how many texts did you get after you'd won i don't know if keith mitchell is lying or not but he got a lot more than me yeah uh, i got like 600 something 700 texts. okay because you didn't reply to mine so but that's fine that it, it's i'm not offended now if you got 600 that, that makes a lot of sense. i did have i like i had an old phone an iphone 6 and it was it kept shutting down when i was trying to like respond to people and stuff it would just like have that little like circle pop up in the middle of the phone and like it, it kept like literally dying. And so I had, I, the next week at, in San Diego, I got a new iPhone. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I had so to spend the money. Got myself on the back here. Yeah. Very I've gotten good. ghosted by a lot of people. I've not heard my phone was dying every time I tried to reply. To your <laughs> that's my I was getting excuse. too, literally too many texts so I was, just I was, to reply. I was trying to reply to you. So I promise. It's like whack-a-mole. Uh, okay. So tell me, as specific as you can. This is a Tron a Tron question. What? Why isn't he here to ask this? We well, I don't. You know, it's a small hotel room. We didn't want to. We didn't want to come in hot. Fair enough. Uh, and he's an opposing captain. He gets hostile. I don't. I don't trust him around my players. <laughs> frankly, uh, what happens like literally after the win? What What's all the things that you have to go do? Like after? immediately after? Yeah. There were a lot of interviews. Like, what's the rest of your night? Basically. Yeah. They like I walk out of scoring. It was like live Golf Channel interview. A few other little interviews like Sky Sports and some other ones, and then you go out on the on the 18th green, and there. I mean, I'm I'm shaking. They they have a whole like basically it's like a stage setup almost on the 18th green with a podium, and I mean I'm shaking hands, meeting all these people in these nice coats and tie, suit and ties and all this stuff. I've I, I don't know who anybody is. I don't know. I, <laughs> Do you remember one name from it? Yes, but I, I don't want to tell it uh, uh, on the on the on air. Um, they wouldn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah out of respect for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the, everybody associated with the tournament, the golf course, the sponsor, everything, and uh, so you know, you're just like overwhelmed. My my wife's there, my dad's there, and I'm it's, I'm freaking out. And uh, some old friends of mine, some other players, some caddies are there, and uh, there's just a lot going on. But I, so I, they had a little presentation on the 18th green, and then there's more like local news TV. And a couple of different stations there, a couple of reporters, some, a lot of pictures. So meanwhile, all of this, I'm holding the trophy and it, it's, it's a crystal, like it's a nice crystal 
heavy trophy. And I'm taking a ton of photos of my family with these people, that people, all these pictures. And I, my arms, I'm not kidding you, were burning, <laughs> burning from holding this thing. That's how and Tiger got tough, so jacked. Tough burden. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, but at some point, Emily was like, do you want me to hold that for a second? Like, can I just see it? Can I, I was like, yes, please take it. And I'm not kidding you. My arms were like, were so sore. Like it was the heaviest thing I've ever felt. So, I mean, I was holding that thing for like 20 minutes. Like it was brutal. But anyway, then they cart you up to, uh, up to the the press center and you're answering a bunch of questions on uh, you know and that was pretty surreal feeling to be up there like with the trophy and answering these questions from the greats like sean martin and <laughs> had you been in a media center before like up on the in, an, no, in the interview room not, not like sitting up there actually giving the interview I've, yeah. I've, I've seen one yes but no i haven't uh, <laughs> i haven't been the subject of one so you're up there for i don't know 30 minutes or something or more and then and then that's it you're you're good to go so uh we just went out to went to the locker room, cleaned out the locker, and went to dinner. So, is it hard to get to get yourself back up for the next event after winning? Is it hard to like start back over from scratch, or what's your mindset going into the very next week? Uh, there's a, there's a totally different feeling. Uh, it was it was pretty. A lot of people warned you like you got to give yourself a lot of extra time every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because everybody that sees you for the first time are going to congratulate you. And, and it's true. Like it was overwhelming. It was, it was awesome. I mean, it, it felt really good to be, you know, recognized, but at the same time it, it did, it took a lot of energy and stuff out of you. There's a lot of interviews as well. And there's a lot going on that Tory and uh, I'd never played it before. I'd played it once for fun, but hadn't played it for the tournament. So uh, I had a lot of prep to do. There's two courses and it was a lot, but um, I mean, obviously I was playing well, so I didn't have to do a whole lot of, I didn't feel like I had to do a whole lot of maintenance on my game, but, um, gave me, it was a different feeling teeing it up for sure. Different, different level of confidence, I guess, or belonging. Is it a weird feeling, um, you know, going from where you were basically through that third round, everything, everything in your career, you know, backward from there to flash forward to the, after that putt goes in, basically every fan that's at the tournament Every security guard, every media person, like all, literally all of their eyes are are focused solely on you. Like you are the the center of attention. I, you know, not even to mention like all the the TV people watching. I gotta think that's gotta be like a very weird feeling, surreal feeling. Yeah, yeah, it was weird, and it still is to be honest. Like even you know people today will say you know nice win you know last month or a couple weeks back you know at the desert and it's to be like just just recognized without um, any any sort of, of uh, teeing it up for them, I guess. And they're telling them who I was like, they like to be recognized like that is pretty weird. How often that did that happen before you won? Like at airports or anything? Zero. Really? Zero. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, zero. <laughs> You're going to be how, buying a privacy yacht. Just like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it's like <laughs> right. that. Like those guys live a whole nother life, but uh, it, it's enough that it's different. What was, this is a very cliche question, but what was kind of the coolest thing you heard after the win or the coolest, you know, congratulations you got or, or something like that? That's very cliche. I know it is. Well, that's why I preface it with that. <laughs> um, I'd say the next week at Tory, just to, to have all the, you know, the, I guess the superstars of the tour recognizing me coming up and congratulating me, you know, Justin Rose and, and uh, Rory was there and Jordan and uh, Ricky and, you know, they were all like, you know, congratulating me and it was pretty like pretty surreal. So what is your new is your new policy now? Is it miscut or top ten? Is that the only the only way you're gonna play it here? Go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is I've always like prided myself on being a pretty consistent guy. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm always around, but you know, I don't have a lot of wins or anything. But I have a lot of good finishes and pretty consistent. And you know, I never shoot really high and never necessarily go super low. And pretty just kind of hanging in there and like making a lot of cuts and all that. And like this year has just been a bizarre stretch, like not how I envisioned it at all. Not that's, even how I see myself. That's well, the way to do it on the PGA tour that's though. Right. No Hit doubt. Miss. That's the Scott Stallings plan. You're out right now. <laughs> I've always said like, I'm, I'm envious of those guys that are either like, I'm going to win this thing or screw it. I'm finishing DFL. And <laughs> here might, I am like as one of those guys, you should be that guy now. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Cause it got overshadowed because of what Molinari did, but you, you made an enormous run up the leaderboard of Bay Hill last week. Uh, and you, you doubled the 17th to fall back into a tie for 10th, which shows how hot you got. But uh, t t take me through kind of that back nine. First of all, how you ended up in the greenside bunker on the 10th hole, I still don't understand. I understand. heard you hit the cart path is what I heard. I heard that too, but I didn't see it. So <laughs> I can't confirm or deny it. Uh, I did not see it hit the cart path, but the volunteer said it did, but you can't trust can't, them. Well, the you probably hit it 400. You probably carried it 400. I, I mean, I yeah. I'd would that be out of the ordinary for you, you would say? Yeah, probably in Florida. Yeah. In Florida yeah. it is. It's sea level. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> so you eagle the 10th hole, eagle the 16th hole. What happened on 17? You 17. got cut from coverage. They didn't even show your double on That's 17. funny. There was a camera after I hit in the water. There's a camera right on the tee box. A guy, a cameraman right there, right in my face with that camera. Like right after I hit in the water, I'm like, this is this is all over the TV. Like, gosh, <laughs> I, this is bad. Do you, but, do you start thinking, here I go again. I'm going to come from behind and win this thing. A little bit. But yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I, I was so ahead of the leaders that those guys were only making the turn probably or whatever. So that was, uh, there was still a lot of golf behind me to be played. And, and some of those holes are some birdie holes. So I... I didn't really think about winning, but uh, there was a British Open spot on the line uh, that I, in hindsight, found out that I was in the running for. I missed by one, so uh, that's oh. unfortunate. Did for you me. know you didn't know while you were playing that you were? I, in the I knew that there were three spots, but I didn't necessarily know how to get them or who was eligible or who was on the leaderboard eligible. So I didn't know the details of it. But yeah, if I would have uh, finished bogey par or finished one over those last two instead of two over the last two, I would have had a spot. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> do you uh do you immediately get thrust into the like the featured groups and and that kind of stuff after after the win? I wouldn't say featured groups necessarily, but <laughs> Your uh, category changes. The category changes. So and ex- explain that for people who don't have any idea what you're talking about. So there's like three or four level levels of categories for tee times, and so it's uh it's basically you got like let's call it the superstar category of of the big name guys, you know, Tiger, Phil. Jordan, Ricky, those kind of guys. And then you have uh, my category, which is now uh, past champion or, or tournament winners. And so anybody who's won a tournament or even top guys in the world, and that's kind of like the next category down. And uh, and then there's two more categories below that. So I went from the web.com category, which is like, you know, first year guys or, or low status guys. And you're getting, I was last group off two of the three events in the fall. And I was like second to last off in Hawaii. And so you're, you're in the bottom two or three groups every wave to being thrown into the good tee times of being earlier in their wave. So this is going to come out after the players, but we're here at the players this week. What does it mean to be in this, in this event? Does this event feel different to you so far? Yeah, it's wild. I, I mean, just the, just the, the presentation of it all. Like I knew it was going to be crazy. And I, I've been to Sawgrass a bunch of times before, but never for the tournament. And it is it is going to be nuts. Awesome. Well, best of luck. Thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for letting us crash your hotel room on 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And uh, Hey, you guys are welcome to stay. <laughs> <laughs> your wife is looking at you like, what are they will stay. They They're really will nice. do it. They will do it. Do not invite them to do that. So, all right, Adam, best of luck. Congratulations on the win. It's been awesome to follow uh, your success uh, on the PGA Tour so far. And keep keep knocking those top tens out. Yeah, that's what it's. Yeah. Go big or go home. And DJ will have our team meeting tomorrow. Well, yeah, or we were thinking maybe we'd have it at Augusta. Um, that might be the, the next best chance to get together. So we'll, yeah, it was the majority we'll of it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Can we? I know Sorry. we just wrapped. I know we just wrapped. We literally didn't ask about the fact that you're going to play in the Masters. Major, the that one's on me. Yeah. Continue. Are you excited to play in the Masters? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very excited to play in the Masters. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be surreal to be out there and just for the actual tournament. I've been there as a spectator and I've played it in november so this will be a totally different experience but how'd you play uh i remember being like like three or four under through like six or seven and shooting like 75 so um <laughs> i don't know okay i guess <laughs> but this will be a totally I feel like i played that course <laughs> strikes strikes and gutters yeah. <laughs> this will be uh this will be a little different but uh it's cra- in this game like especially being a rookie like i you can't think that far in advance and i honestly i haven't had time to like sit and think about it all that much but it's like each week's a new week for me and it's a new course new experience so it, that that's only three tournaments away from me but it sounds like a year from now what at what point did you start thinking about or did you realize you got in the masters it's overwhelming when you win the tournament i imagine but when do you start thinking oh my god i'm also in the masters so uh, after i finished i went to the scoring trailer and in there was rick wilde scribs who's a a great guy who's on the web.com tour as a, as a truck guy for a long time. And now he's a scoring official for the PJ tour. And so I had a relationship with him. So I walk in and I sit down and, uh, I, I don't know, at some point after I signed it and he, he just kind of looked up and he's like, and by the way, I need a few tickets to Augusta. <laughs> and that's when I, it hit me that I was like, Holy really shit, I'm playing the Masters. How many, how many tickets for, have you gotten beat up for already? Uh, it hasn't been too bad. Really? It hasn't been too bad. I think people know it's extremely limited and, and we don't get a whole lot. So it's it's been tough. How many, to, how many do you actually get? Do you know? We get eight. Okay. That's, that's pretty fair, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, did you know? Did you know? Okay. I got the eight rattled off already. 
Uh, I don't know. I've, I've turned that over to my wife and my dad gotcha, to kind of okay. sort out and, and kind of manage DJ. that. Your, your team. No, I'm good. I'm good. I've seen it. It's all right. <laughs> You're an alternate. Uh, yeah, exa- okay, perfect. First alternate. He's going to Monday qualify for those tickets. <laughs> it, we, we do take bribes. <laughs> I would recommend one thing uh, now that you're a winner. I would. I know you just said your wife and your dad. I would start calling them your team. My team. Yeah. yeah okay. My support team. My team's really been working on that. Uh, yeah. I think... I think picking up the lingo and and really you know starting to just starting to to get some of those idiosyncrasies of a, of a tour winner is is one thing I'd like to see from you. I think. Are you talking as is my FedEx Cup captain or as a friend or? Who's... But I'd like to think both. Okay, yeah, both. yeah, I think both. Uh, That's what makes this team so special. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's hard to argue that he's DJ's running away with it thanks to thanks to thanks to people like you. So, all right, best of luck this week and thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect 